You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com, or, or you can send it to our webpage, which is unbelievable. You can leave your comments, send in questions. You can look at the archives. You can check out the old shows, the new shows. Everything is there. You can do search. It's fantastic. And on letstalktorah.net, that's our webpage, letstalktorah.net, we have our donate button, which, of course, is all important because that's the lifeblood, and that's what allows us to keep on breathing. So hopefully you will hit that donate button and help us out. Have you noticed, unless you like live out in, in, the, in the plains or something or out west, it's not snowing. This is traumatic. It's in the 40s. It's raining outside. Now, I'm a teacher. We don't get to pick and choose our vacations. There's a midwinter break. And they don't say, well, it's not snowing, so let's reschedule. No reschedule. The kids are off. Wife is off. This is the time. So we're going to have to start praying. We need snow. If there's no snow, how am I going to ride my snowmobile? That is a tremendous dilemma. Okay, can't go snowmobiling. Might as well talk about the Torah portion. So, fascinating this week. Fascinating. Um, I, I told my class when I was 11, 12, we had a game we used to play. The game was called Chumish Baseball. What was it? That you would open up a, a Bible. You'd open up a, 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 a Chumish. has the Torah inside. And at the end of every Torah portion, um, there's different kinds of breaks. There's an open paragraph break, and there's a closed paragraph, which sounds strange if if you've never seen inside a Torah scroll. What happens is the Torah scroll is made up of columns of words and paragraphs, but not paragraphs like you are used to. First of all, there's no indentation at the beginning of a paragraph. Everything starts at the beginning of the line. But when you get to the end of a paragraph, there's two types of paragraphs. You have an open one, which that means you, you finish the paragraph, so now there's no words till the next line. That's called open. And then there's this interesting um, closed paragraph. So there'll be like a nine-letter space, and then the next word of the next paragraph. So what was each every Torah portion ends with generally one of those two. When you get to the end of a book, like this week is Vayichi, we're at the end of Genesis, the end of Beratius, um, then there's actually four blank lines in the Torah scroll, and we have this thing called Chazak, that signifies the, uh, it's like a blessing, and it represents the end of each book. So that means you open up your Chumash, 
And generally, you're not going to open up to the end of the Torah portion. You're going to start making calculations. Okay, how many pages back, forth? And you'll say, okay, I say three pages forward. And you'll turn three pages. And if you're at the end of the Torah portion, depending what what you come up with, open paragraph, closed paragraph, end of a book, you get points. I think the open paragraph was 25 points, closed paragraph was 50 points, and the Chazak was 100 points. So it was a great game. But everybody knew, if it wasn't your first time playing, everybody knew that between the Torah portion of last week of Ayigash and the Torah portion of this week of Ayichi, there's no paragraph break. So you get zero points. So when you're playing this game and you're trying to get points, okay, obviously you don't get points if you miss. But if you don't miss, you, you think, oh, I'm going to get to the end of this Vayigash. And all the guys who played, right, all know, because they all made the same mistake at least once, if not twice in their life, that you know that the guy doesn't know that there's no point at the end of this Torah portion. So that was the game we used to play. But the question is, it's a new Torah portion, right? So why is there no break? As however, paragraphs, chapters, verses, however they were set up, um, it was officially set up, um, I don't know, 1,500 years ago, um, maybe 1,200 years ago. It was set up how we read all the different Torah portions, where the beginning and ends are. That was set up. Time of what's called the Gonim. So why would you pick a place where there's no break? Like, it doesn't make sense. If there's no break... It would seem to be that it's the same. You're you're in the same um, conversation. You didn't finish. So the answer has to be that the end of last week's Torah portion ends where it ends, and this week's Torah portion is a new conversation. Then there must be a reason why there's no break. So what happens is, um, the end of last week's Torah portion, the end of Aigash we have Jacob settling into Egypt. And that's where the last verse. The verse says that uh, Jacob is now living, and they've inherited land, and they're being fruitful and multiplying. End. This week's Torah portion starts out, right? it was the life of Jacob, right? We're now at the end of Jacob's life. I get a mention that he's 17 years in Egypt, and he's going to call on his son Joseph to make sure he gets him out of Egypt to be buried in Israel. And then he's going to bless Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Then he's going to bless the 12 tribes. Then he's going to give last instructions for his burial. And then Jacob himself will die. And then he will be brought up to Israel. That's the gist. And Joseph is also passed away at the end of the Torah portion. That's the gist of the Torah portion. So the question is, why no break? A very famous question. Rashi really um, starts out as the first one to discuss it. So Rashi says that this is the end of an era. We had the forefathers, you had Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. They, they were sort of uh, insulated. They were, they, they were by themselves. They took care of themselves. They were creating the Jewish nation. And, and now we're about to go into exile. We're going to be in the Egyptian exile. We're going to spread out. All of a sudden, we're not talking about a few people anymore. We're going to be hundreds of thousands, millions. 
but we're a nation that's slaves. So we're going from having the patriarch uh, Jacob, and then we're lost. Yes, we have the tribes, it's true, but the, you know, at the end of the day, we're lost. So it's since we are now ready for the closing of, of like the, the Jewish people's eyes, because Jacob is dying, we sort of make the no, no space to represent this. Okay. If Samson Feller Hirsch says like this, he says, Let, let's ask ourselves a question, right? We've been studying Jacob's life. And, you know, he's born, he, he has his twin brother, he, you want to say tricks, he, he buys the firstborn off of Esau, and then he tricks Esau, and he gets the blessings from his father, and Esau is running after him to kill him, and then he goes to his father-in-law, Lavan, well, he'll become his father-in-law, who again tricks him, and he's there 20 years, 14 years working for the wives, and even when he's ready to leave, uh, Lavan chases after him, also wants to kill him, God says you got to leave him alone, then his daughter is raped, uh, then his children will wipe out the city of Shechem. He has to protect them. Um, he thinks he's settling in the land of Israel. Now Joseph is, he thought, died, but really was uh, uh, you know, uh, sold down the river. He's had a pretty rough, rough life. Right? Jacob has had, really, a very hard life. Now, he finally has 17 years, which you'll call retirement, he can sit in the study hall all day. He can be as holy as he wants. No one's bothering him. No trials, no tribulations. He can enjoy the fruits of his labor. So now, what is Jacob's main existence? Right? Think about it for yourself, right? As people move along in life, there's different things that happen. As life moves along, there's easier times, there's harder times. But many people, are, at least are hoping that they can have some type of retirement, they can walk around with their pillbox and uh, cane and, I don't know, and I guess walk along the seashore and pick up uh, seashells, I'm not sure. Where's our main life? So it's not two separate things. We have the harder part of Jacob's life, the early part of his life, the last 17 years, they're all connected. Not only are they all together, but from what we would call a national perspective, meaning what affects the Jewish people as a whole, the hardship was more important. That was our foundation. Right? That, that's where we came from. That's where we got the wherewithal to survive the, the long exile that we're in now, that's how we became a nation. All these things were necessary. No one had to say Jacob liked it. But this is all part and parcel of who the Jewish nation is. It's nice. Jacob personally had 17 years where nothing much was happening. But what affects the Jewish nation? It was his years of hardship. That's where everything comes from. That's for sure. So to make sure it's clear, don't think that there's like two parts to his life. And, and the the end of his life, finally got to relax and enjoy, and that was like the main part of his life. Not true. Not true. People say all the time they're busy working and they're, and they're, and, and they're raising children and they, they can't go on vacations, and, and when will they really live? 
it's a mistake. The really living is when you're accomplishing, when you're doing stuff. That's living. That's what it's all about. The sitting back on a recliner and and you have a cup of coffee and you, the old days your newspaper. Right? That's not living. What's what's living about that? Look how many retired people they go crazy. They, they, it's downhill when they start retiring, because that's not living. Living is 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 what life throws at us, and how we get through it. And perhaps if you think about it, it's fascinating. I asked my class this. The name of this week's Torah portion is Vayechi. It's and it means and he lived. But the Torah portion is all about death. It's just all the end of Jacob's life and preparing and blessings and burial and then Joseph's death. The whole Torah portion is wrapped around the death of Jacob. But we call, and now we're not the ones that made this up, uh, again, uh, whatever it was, the Gaonim, whatever it was, a thousand years ago, 1,200 years ago, they gave the names to the Torah portions. And this Torah portion is called, and he lived. And Jacob lived, right? Because you got to know what living is, right? The two Torah portions are connected. Because his living was all his years till now. I mean, if you even think about it, it says, um, Jacob says tw- towards the end of last week's Torah portion, my son Joseph is still alive. Let me go check him out. Now, he only knew that because he saw the wagons. So we talked about last week, he saw the wagons. So he that was the hint for the last thing that Jacob and Joseph were studying, the last Torah conversation they had. And it's debatable what it was, and we talked about it last week. So the fact that Joseph remembers what they were talking about means that Joseph is alive. He's not just physically alive. He is spiritually alive. On a similar vein or in a similar vein, um, the Talmud tells us when the great Rabbi Akiva was dying, he was being tortured. They were like combing his... uh, his flesh with these steel combs, probably standard. Um, to, it, it wasn't meant to get him to admit to anything. It was just to make him suffer before he died. So his students are there, and the great Rabbi Akiva is smiling. He's laughing, he's smiling, and they say, how, how, how are you smiling? What are you smiling about? They're, they're torturing you. They're, they're just making it painful until they finally kill you. So he says, you don't understand my whole life. I read a verse in the Shema that you have to serve God with all your soul, meaning that you're even willing to give up your soul to serve God. You say it every day. You do believe it. You don't believe it. I don't know. It sounds good. Sounds good. But how do I know it's real? I see they're torturing me. I'm not begging for mercy. I'm not saying that I won't uh, teach Torah anymore. I'm exactly happy with where I am and where I've been. They're going to kill me over it? I'm very happy. I know that I fulfilled this verse. And as I was discussing this with my class this week, it reminded me of a, I will call it a parable if you'd like, but there was a Rabbi Wallerstein, he passed away, I believe, a year or two ago, 
very big speaker. He um, he he had special. He had a special school for girls that were on the street, and he took care of them. And and at the, he had a horse farm, so uh, f- it was mostly for girls. Um, he did things with boys. He he he, he loved people and he loved to help people whatever it took and he he had a weekly he had multiple weekly Torah lectures and I know in in Detroit we brought him in to speak a couple times anyways he had a he had a he had this parable that like this was his parable they put out a book about him and about a lot of his speeches or his thoughts and the parable for those who ever heard him is the butterfly and it's really a a, a, a beautiful parable, and it, it it sort of helps us with all the stuff that we've been discussing till now. What's the parable? So he says everybody, I don't want to say everybody knows, but the the life cycle of the butterfly is it's a caterpillar, and then it it uh, makes a cocoon, and then it has to break out of the cocoon. And it goes through a lot of suffering to squeeze its body out of the cocoon. And somehow that squeezing puts, I don't know, blood or fluids into the wings. And then the butterfly is out and it's alive and well. And my wife is, over the years, you can order these caterpillars or these these cocoons, I guess. And you like you stick them in, I think you get the caterpillars and they... They, they, they you keep them in that. It's not a cage. It's like a mesh type thing. And like six weeks later, you can watch them break out or they see it went from a caterpillar to a cocoon to a butterfly. It's beautiful. What if you're a kind person? You saw what happened to this butterfly. It suffered so much. You are a kind person. So you decide the best thing is when I know the caterpillar is ready to come out, I just slice open the cocoon. Why does the caterpillar have to suffer to get out of that cocoon? Just slice it, break it open, and the bug will be happy. And the answer is, if you do that, the butterfly will die. It, its wings will not work. It won't live long. You killed it. You thought you were being kind because you didn't want someone to suffer. But the truth is, you killed it. Because for the butterfly to become the from the caterpillar to the beautiful butterfly, it can only do that if it goes through suffering. That's what will create its beauty. That's how God made it. That's Jacob's life. right? And that's a lot of people's lives, by the way. Uh, people go through, we like the word trial and tribulation, people go through stuff. No matter what, everyone goes through stuff. Everybody has their highs, their lows, their, their yeah, raising their children, getting married, um, trying to support their family. What everybody goes through stuff. It's that stuff that we go through that makes us beautiful. If we were just, you know, for argument's sake, you grew up in a in a family, multimillionaires. You don't have to work. You could sit by the pool all day. You could do whatever you want. Those people, you don't want to have anything to do with them. They're, they're, they're not people. They're wealthy. They have money. I'm sure they like to tell you what they believe, but they haven't gone through life. They haven't gone through anything difficult that made them into a better person. What, what makes them a good person? 
Okay. So it is interesting, by the way, that um, if we look at the whole picture, there's a concept that we talk about that says, Maisa of a similar button. Whatever happened to the forefathers happened to the children. It's like a precursor. So if you look carefully at the Jewish people going down to Egypt, that's exactly what happens, right? There's a famine, right? Jacob goes into exile. Because, and it was really caused through hatred of the brothers, right? So the brothers hated Joseph. They send down Joseph ahead because they sold him. Then there's going to be a famine in Egypt. And because of that famine, the brothers and Jacob are going to end up being in Egypt and now they're in exile. The truth is, that happened in every exile that we were in. In every exile, same thing over and over again. You, you would think we learn our lesson. If you look at each exile, there was fighting amongst the Jewish people. Then it led to hunger. Sometimes the hunger was because the enemy surrounded the cities we were in and starved us out. And then we're driven into exile. And then eventually we, we remember we're brothers. And the cycle starts all over again. You, you would love to believe that at some point somebody should figure it out. But... Um, we don't seem to be so good at it. Okay, I'm going to try to get through the beginning part of this Torah portion. If I don't make it, we're just going to finish it in the next show. So, Jacob says to Joseph, he calls Joseph in. He says, I don't want to be buried in Egypt. Why? So Rashi gives three reasons. First of all, he doesn't want bugs crawling all over him. There's going to be that plague, the third plague that... Uh, God will bring on the Egyptians is called bugs, kinim. And the ground, you know, it's like the, the top foot of soil is all bugs. So I guess these bugs are going to go all over the place. So Jacob doesn't want them crawling around his body because the body has to be treated with respect. We treat the body with respect. Having these bugs crawl all over Jacob's body is not respectful. When we talk about that we don't like autopsies, is because we're not recognizing that we have to show respect for this body. Now, a person is a body and a soul. The body houses the soul. The soul can't really uh, do too well if it doesn't have a body to be in, and therefore we can do good deeds because the soul is spiritual, nothing to touch. Right? It's like my brain waves, right? nothing to touch. The only way the soul can accomplish is if it's connected to a body. So because the soul lived in this body for however many years it lived, it, it, it needs it to be treated with respect. So we don't like to do autopsies. We like to bury people right away. Um, that's reason number one. Reason number one he doesn't want to be buried in Egypt is because of that plague. Now, it's interesting. Uh, most people, the body is long gone. As it's going to be, uh, yeah, pretty much 210 years later, well, we'll call it 190 and change, um, when those bugs are going to come. Um, I'm sure if you ever want to exhume a body, you'll find 190 years later, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. But Jacob, which we'll talk about, was such a righteous person, his body's not decomposing. 
since his body is not decomposing, then the bugs will be there, and it won't be respectful for his body. It's an interesting thought. The second reason that Jacob doesn't want to be buried in Egypt is because um, after the Messiah comes, we don't know how long afterwards, but at some point afterwards, there's going to be the resurrection, what we call Tchiesam and people come back alive. It seems, we don't really understand how this works, but it seems that people are going to come back alive in the land of Israel. So if you're buried in the land of Israel, very good. If you're not buried in the land of Israel, there's some type of rolling through the tunnels, whatever that means. Some type of rolling through the tunnels till you get into the land of Israel, and, and Jacob didn't want to go through that rolling of the tunnels. Now, perhaps that's the reason why many people today like to be buried in the land of Israel. But I just heard um, from a big rabbi, he said, it's a beautiful idea that you want to be buried in the land of Israel, but it costs a fortune. Wouldn't the money be better spent if he gave it to charity? It's 20000 30000 It's a beautiful thing, but, but sometimes we have to know the best way to spend our money. In any case, the music is playing. I hope you enjoyed it. Short and sweet. Thank you to all our wonderful sponsors. Listen, you know, I can't do it without you. Thank you to the production team. We have Ellen in the back. I hope I've left you with some food for thought. Until next time, I'm Rabbi T. Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it. Every room inside is filled